You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open a DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can either support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BASKETBALL. That's $5 off your... That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BASKETBALL. Don't forget, that's code BASKETBALL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic NBA Show. David Aldrich here in D.C. As always, my man Waz Lambray is out in L.A. Waz, what is up, man? I'm good. I'm chilling, man. It's, it's actually, you know, cooling down here in the Valley. It's it's now we've gotten it down to the 90s rather than 120. Good Lord. And so, Lord. you know, I'm happy for that. <laughs> All right. So I, I got I have a I have a compatriot or a fellow citizen, fellow traveler, a fellow Angelino now. She used to be a Midwest girl, but now she's all about the law. My pal Allie Clifton is joining us this week. Allie DA. You sound great on Skype. Have I told you that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is my favorite line you always give me. <laughs> it's a joke that I've I've had with Allie for years because she always looks so fantastic when she does her stand-up, she does her hosting. Everything she wears looks great because she's a former athlete was. You know how she's got that Riles thing where everything just drapes right, off of her. Right, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. my, my, I my, my metabolism kicked in about five years ago. And so I'm yeah, no longer that. a former athlete. I'm just <laughs> uh, I'm just a schlub. So I'm jealous of people like Allie. Hey, my metabolism will get there. Don't you worry. It'll get there. <laughs> wow, she was a big shot at Toledo. She was a nice. big, big deal at the University of Toledo. What you still got you're still on some record lists, aren't you? Oh, I don't even know. You know, DA, I just I just tried to make sure I woke up every morning and I was on time to practice in the training room, whatever I was supposed to do, and then let the yeah. numbers take care of themselves. Oh, <laughs> she's a team player, Waz! <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, but I'm worried about everybody out. In, what, what's up with the fires? Out, uh, can I tell you this? I was driving in and the, on the radio, the traffic here in D.C., the, tra- or the weather lady said... You'll notice there's some haze in the sky. That's from the fires out west. And I'm like, what? No way. Yeah. What? We got haze from California fires? Oh, my God. What is it like out there? Waz, do you want to you wanna go or do you want me to? Because I'm new I mean, to all this. So, yeah. So, you know, basically ever since I moved here, it's been happening. Uh, I remember in it was like maybe October of 2017 when I first moved there were fires in, I, I believe, Bel Air over there. And I was just like, wow, that's kind of crazy. And you ask people like about it. And it's sort of a sort of mystery about how it happens, why it spreads so fast, like what the solution is. And like, it's one of those things that people don't know how to deal with. Right. Um, and then basically every single year since I've been here, there have been fires everywhere. And right now, DA, it's not just California. They're in Oregon. They're all over oh, the yeah, place. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And it's not right. just Southern California either. It's it's up north. It's, it's everywhere. It's kind of crazy. Um, for so us, we didn't get killed. This most recent one, you know, we didn't have the orange sky and all of that stuff the way it was up north. But you could, I think it was about like three days ago, you could walk outside and smell smell smoke, though. So, was I'm actually down in the South Bay. Okay. And, and so obviously for me and coming from the Midwest, like I, I love the beach and that's some of my clarity that I get since moving here is going down to the beach. And over the last several days, given how bad the fires are um, up where you are and stuff or down where you are and stuff, I don't have my directions yet. Since I'm, moving I'm here, north but, of you. Yeah. Yeah. So 
they, it's, I mean, you can't see, I mean, if you're, so from where we are, we're like right in between Hermosa and Manhattan and you struggle to see either pier, which is only a mile and a half apart from one another. I mean, it is that hazy. It's that cloudy. The sun, you could barely see the sun for about four straight days. Um, So it's, it's been wild. That's something that's, again, like I said, it's new for this Midwest girl. I am just stunned by, by what's going on out there. We saw, the, the the Oregon stuff is just it's scary because you know I know a lot of people in Oregon and I just can't believe they've had to deal with the one two of you know the the police brutality riots and then dealing with this shit you know like it's just like oh my god what else is what's locusts are next out there what's going on you know yeah, like it's crazy. And, and the crazy thing it's like I remember I think it was a year or two ago we had a huge one. And they were saying that the energy companies were basically to blame. Like, they didn't take some safety precaution and boom, fire, right? And then you hear, like, well, is it because the, the, the weather's so dry out here? And then some people are like, well, no, because when it does rain, that makes more vegetation for fire to burn. So it's like, I don't even know <laughs> how right, right, this, right. <laughs> this is supposed to get solved. It's kind of crazy, man. I mean, you know, it's a big deal, too, when, like, obviously we're experiencing it. And to your point, D.A., like when your weather woman all the way in D.C. is talking about the haze in the sky. But when you open your weather app on your phone and it literally says unhealthy air quality. I mean, it's just wow. In Seattle, it's like the worst of all time, like the, the worst they've ever had in the history of the city. The air quality is so bad. It's unbelievable just how how horrible it is, you know, and you just. Man, I, this is what I'm going to try to do this. I'm not going to get into politics because it makes me sad and angry. So I'm going to stay away from it as much as I can for my mental health, not because I don't care. But I realized over the last week, if I wallow in this, as I tend to do, because I'm by myself a lot. So all I do is get on Twitter and Facebook and get angry. And I'm oh, going to yeah. try not to do less of that because otherwise I will just drive everybody in my life crazy. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Smart man. I'm going to stay away from it, at least for a minute, at least for this episode, and talk about what we all expected to see, Allie. And let me let me break it down for those of you who don't know the great Allie Clifton. She is the pregame host on Spectrum Sportsnet. She covers the Lakers. She's uh, been a great sideline reporter. She was with the Cavaliers for many years, breaking it down on the sidelines, Um and you've been in LA for what, four years now? Is it four or three? I just passed the two year mark. Is it just two? Actually. Yeah. Oh my God. I thought it was I more know. than that. Okay. Nope. LeBron right. only been there for two now, David. Come okay. on now. The team hasn't mattered for <laughs> 10 go. years. You the know, they, they didn't start mattering until LeBron got there. They had to get hey, lots some of talent people, in there lots when LeBron of people got have made that there. move, made that career move. Ain't nothing wrong with him, you know? <laughs> That's the one thing I always said, too. Look, the opportunity came, it presented itself, and at the same time, true and true, I was looking for that opportunity to grow in a completely different category. Um, obviously, Dia, as you mentioned, I was a sideline in Cleveland, only sideline. Um, and here I am strictly a host in studio. So like that new challenge and um, being able to fulfill that role um, has been something I have enjoyed and loved doing. But again, it has coincided with that of LeBron, which is only two years. But I'm, but I'm sure moving from the Rust Belt of the South Bay. That was a tough decision for you, wasn't it? I, I know that had to, you, you came at that with some level of pause, no? Just because I know my parents love listening to these podcasts and they will be tuning in. Yes, it was really hard, Waz, okay? <laughs> agonizing decision for you, I'm sure. May or may have not cried my first three months. <laughs> Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just like the most in his bracadocia. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. David, David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> And then it had their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Hoops adjacent. Welcome to Hoops Five, four. We have ignition. Hello, Brooke. Stay mellow, my friends. The comma is... 
she uh, I'm off I forgot to mention she's got her own podcast uh, was the road tripping podcast of course I'm a listener with, with Channing Fry and Richard Jefferson which is a must listen for anybody who loves just good podcasting but also loves to talk about hoops and life you guys how many shows have you done how many years is this for you there so we began that in 2017 it was right after the Cavs won the title in 2016 so it was that following season we began road tripping um, and then we just put out our 131st episode um, on Sunday morning which was great because it is largely an NBA podcast um, but we have done others and on Sunday we did our first NFL player and it was Miles Garrett so oh wow um, to kind of kick off week one it was it was cool obviously all of us having that commonality with Cleveland um, yeah. It was great to kind of chop it up with him, but yeah, 131 episodes and three years strong. So, damn, was we no was we just passed one year last week? Did you know that we just fin- I that was our end of our first year? That. Wow, we didn't have a party or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of hard. fun if sure. you want to if you enjoy talking yeah. and laughing and obviously getting down to the nitty gritty with sports, but it's it's a lot of work. It's hard it to be good. It's hard when you're trying yeah. to be good. Touché. If you're trying it to is. just put something out there and just, you know, be run of the mill, when you're trying to be interesting and good and give people different, fresh stuff like you guys do on road tripping, um, it, it's tough. I, I just love mm-hmm. what you guys do because I love how candid the guys are about the aspects of being a professional NBA player that the fans don't necessarily get to see or don't even think about, may not even consider. And that's what I loved about you guys' show from the start, just offering fresh, unique, interesting perspectives, man. It's a dope show. And obviously you, you know, keeping the trains running on time, which people underestimate, DA. (laughs) I tell people all the time, when you're watching um, Inside the NBA, Ernie is the one who makes that thing Sing. Absolutely. He's got the hardest job. <laughs> he's, he's the, the best one. at it. Without yeah. him, that show wouldn't be what it is. He's wouldn't he's work. moving nope. the pieces so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I think Allie does a great job of that on road tripping. I appreciate that because I, I do. I There's often times I finish an episode and I have to give myself an hour or two, not kidding, um, to just breathe because they are, <laughs> they have so much energy and it's kind yep. of one of the things that's been really cool. Just kind of tie the two stops for me in terms of the regional sports and being a part of a team, um, together witnessing what I did in Cleveland when Channing and Richard came and, you know, we had Steve Kerr on road tripping a couple of weeks ago. And he mm-hmm. mentioned how during that finals run in 2016, when they heard Channing got traded to Cleveland, he went inside that locker room and Luke Walton was of course a part of his staff at the time. And he mentioned we might be in trouble because the two of them together, especially like what they're able to do to keep a locker room loose, lighthearted and remind everyone that we get paid to do this job, but you should still have fun while doing the job that you're doing, which is hooping. And so from that standpoint to see what they were able to do in Cleveland and now see what large in part, a huge storyline is surrounding the Lakers, that camaraderie and the chemistry and what they love in terms of just being around one another and how it's translated, of course, to the bubble. Um, it's been unique because Braun has really taken that on and has appreciated that. And, and a lot of that I've, I got to see up close with road tripping. I, I want to ask you about, about the Cleveland time. You're an Ohio girl, yep. Ohio woman, sorry. Born and raised. <laughs> um, no, all good. I know, and I've talked to guys like Austin Carr who were, you know, lifers with the Cavaliers. You know, Austin Carr was drafted in 1971, you know what I'm saying? Right. And spent his whole life there. What was that like for you watching that happen in 2016 and watching them finally end the Cleveland curse? You know, it's... It honestly, I can, I can say it now just because I'm removed from it. And and I am working with another team that I appreciate in the Lakers. But with that said, when you are to your point, born and raised in that state of a team that you grew up rooting for, um, that you went to games when you were a little kid to then be able to celebrate for what it's worth, uh, what I was able to contribute and be a part of with that team and that franchise, it will be hands down the best memory I believe of my career. Um, because here, you know, I'm excited because I'm a former athlete. I'm a competitor at nature. Um, you know, I often tell people I don't enjoy talking and I don't like being in front of the camera. So it's funny that I got into this profession, (laughs) but it's because I love hoops. Right. And and I understand sports and I understand basketball. Um, but it, there's a different level, um, where I'm engaged and, and enjoy what I do now with the Lakers because I don't have the internal 
Ohio born and raised growing up Cavs fan to me. It's less emotional for you. Yeah, of course. The emotion is different. And I actually yeah. appreciate that. And I'm glad for it because what I went through in Cleveland. Oh, forget um, about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my first year, they won 26 games working with Cavs. My second year, 32. And then Braun comes back and they make that jump. And so it was, it was a roller coaster and, and just being a Cleveland sports fan, as many will say, it's a roller coaster. Um, but I, it's, it will be hands down just because of the emotional attachment and connection I have to that franchise, that city, and of course to the sports. So best time, no doubt. So Ali, I want to take you back, um, to a time long ago when we were actually allowed to go to Vegas and have a great time and, <laughs> <laughs> and do all of these great things but no july of 2019 we were all in vegas for summer league um you know everybody's sort of waiting for Kawhi leonard to to make his decision and he uh, it's announced that not only is he signing with the clippers he's convinced them to trade for paul george so the Clippers now have Kawhi and Paul George. They're, you know, they're automatically a good team. I just remember the, and remember it was between the Clippers and the Lakers. And so I just remember this feeling, especially amongst media members. And, and, and I thought it was weird at the time that the Clippers had just basically become Jesus in basketball shorts. Like this is, <laughs> this is the most unstoppable thing. Oh my God. The Clippers, the Clippers. The, it was crazy. It was, it was hysteria. Right. And then, yeah. and then conversely, I remember people essentially treating the Lakers offseason as a failure. I, I'm telling you, they're like, Oh I my agree. God. They ended up with Danny Green, Anthony Davis. Oh my goodness! What are they going to even do? They had to resign Rondo, the White House. Oh, this team is up. Oh. People were shitting on this team, for lack of a better term. Like I remember, because I was there, people were in shock of the Clippers move and the Lakers. Because I guess when you go from LeBron, AD, and Kawhi, which admittedly that's that's a ridiculous team, to what the, <laughs> right. to, to what the Lakers ended up putting together, I guess that's a letdown. But at the end of the day, they got Anthony Davis, right? Um, the team mm-hmm. was going to be good, but I just remember this feeling of everybody being down on the Lakers. Um, and to see it happen now, I, I just, th- I just think that's fascinating. I wonder what your perspective is as somebody who was kind of inside for all of that. You know, I thought it was funny um, because, to your point, I-, I felt like they did forget about the signing of Anthony Davis. But if you remember. It's because he signed like three weeks prior to free agency. Right. So with that said, like kind of all that hoopla had kind of worn off just a little bit or or settled down, if you will, just a little bit. Um, So I do remember like being on my couch and hearing that it was late at night when when the whole Kawhi and then Paul George came about. But it was in that moment that I realized, one, the league was vastly shifting to dynamic duos. And so from that standpoint, because to your point, we all had that idea of, oh, it was going to be LeBron, AD, and Kawhi. But now everyone's got their dynamic duo. Like the the teams that want to contend and have the opportunity to contend, they're led by two superstars now. And so it's almost like game on. But my whole thing throughout this entire time, even from the moment the Clippers signed them, I think large in part that narrative being out here in L.A. was all about Clippers because, one, you had Kawhi coming off of the championship. Yep. You had Paul George still obviously in his prime and useful, yeah. though he hasn't, I don't think, lived up to what he should when it comes to the postseason. But they were doubting Braun coming off an injury plague season. Then the whole feel and vibe because of what happened with AD and wanting to come from New Orleans, um, being three weeks removed from his signing. And LeBron at this stage, year 17, 35 he's only slowing down. That's what it was. Yeah. And so yeah. there's no doubt like that was supposed to be the narrative, but when you're on this side now, it's awesome to watch because what are we watching? The Clippers in a game seven and the <laughs> Lakers watching that game seven, waiting for them in the Western conference finals. If they are to live on. Yeah, but okay, they want, but they want the Clippers, right? They don't want to play Denver in nah, the conference final. You got to play. The, you play the, I mean, no, they want Denver. <laughs> they want Denver. If they, I mean, no, if we gave they them don't. They want to beat the Clippers. Nobody's going to care if they beat Denver. <laughs> All due respect to Denver. Sorry. My thought here too is, is you don't again to be the best. You got to beat the best. But yeah. also, like in LA, the Battle of LA, like you want to say you did that, right? Yeah, for sure. 
plus it gives them it gives them you know bragging rights really forever you know because the first time is the time that that always tends to be the dominant time that people remember um so yeah i mean they want to make sure that they have the 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 edge mentally over the clippers going forward um and 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 frankly if you're the lakers this is you couldn't pick a better time i think to play the clippers than now right mm-hmm. i mean yep. it's just you know there there is no home court advantage we understand that but the way the the Lakers, and I want to talk to you about this in a few minutes, just how they have become such a great defensive team, and I mean great, um, mm-hmm. and and what how that's transpired. But I have to think mentally, they they would love the idea of smacking the Clippers around, you know, in a Western Conference Finals because you'd have to think they have the edge right now. Yeah, I mean the way in which you're watching the Clippers, and it's not just here in the series with Denver, but you also think about the way in which they they lost the games that they did to Dallas. And that's taking nothing away from Luka Doncic and, of course, Chris Stapps right. when he was on the floor. But in that same vein, you know, my partner on Road Trip and Richard Jefferson made the point, and I actually believe this, is they don't have the appropriate fear. And it's something that I've heard a lot of NBA guys talk about when it comes mm-hmm. to competition. And the only time they do the, the respect and the appropriate fear is with the Lakers. So yeah. if they are fortunate to get to the Western Conference Finals and those are the teams that square off, I don't know if we're going to see the Clippers in the losses that we have in that next round. For I sure. think that there's going to be a complete mental shift and a change of right. tone. Right. Um, right. But again, that's what we want. Well, I know that's right. the truth because one, the regular season battles were all high intensity games, right? Like if you remember game one of the this Rockets series. that like If you could compare that to the very <laughs> first game of the bubble, the way the Lakers played against the, Rock, against the Clippers, that opening night, the level of intensity, and, and just think to that last possession where Braun literally guarded Kawhi and Paul George at one time on the last, the final possession, to how they came out and sort of trotted out game one against the Rockets, you know there's just a different level of respect that the two teams have for one another. So there's that. And then, of course, there's my favorite part, Ali and DA, which was the little sniping that they did in the media <laughs> throughout the course of the season, <laughs> where Doc's like, I don't know what their program is over there. I guess it's whatever LeBron wants to do. And LeBron going back at like the back and forth. It's so obvious that they're only doing that because there's this, you know, this they're, they're looking at each other like, this is our problem. This is what we have to face down. This is what's standing between us and our goal. So I've just been loving that all season long. Oh, I think it's so fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. And I think it's good. It's good for the league to have that rivalry, you know, again, 100%. there's very few, very few real rivalries in the NBA anymore. Um, and to have those two teams and, and, and formidable, you know, for, formidable opponents. Like this is not some rinky dink operation that Steve Ballmer's put together now. Right. I mean, yep. they're legit. They're going to build their own. They're going to build their own arena in Inglewood. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how they're rolling now. And, but they have to actually beat the Lakers for that to mean anything. You know what I'm saying? Well, it sure was nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. And DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about hold hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code RUN. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week two action. Enter the code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code RUN only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. 
See DraftKings.com for details. And we will be back with more of our show right after this. But Ali, you you have been around LeBron a long time. Are are you even knowing knowing how good he is? We all know he's a, he's one of the best ever. Are you even surprised by the level he's played at this year? I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm impressed. Um, I think yeah. is a better term for me. I will say though, game three. I was a little surprised during the Rocket series just because, I mean, that was a whole nother level. Four blocks mm-hmm. in one quarter, the way in which he was blocking and to, to sustain the way in which he was playing energy-wise in that game three yeah. on both ends of the floor was surprising. But all in all, it's just been impressive to me. Um, but I, I just I think the one thing I've learned um, following him and – his career up close and and especially in Cleveland, I sat in practice every single day. I flew with the team. I was at every single game. I was in every huddle. Um, and then to see it obviously transform to to Los Angeles, it is no secret the way in which he takes care of his body, the preparation and and the relationship he has with his trainer and Mike Mancius. Um, Mm -hmm. that is very serious. It is very elite. And then, I mean, you know, when we're talking about the Clippers and what we're seeing from them, I don't want to compare the two, but this is where, I, I value LeBron's preparation and, and the way in which he approaches a postseason because a lot of the narrative right now is about the Lakers cheating a process. And, and how do you how do you expect to to turn into a winner if you're cheating the process? I, I heard that narrative. I, I read that narrative this morning. And and in my mind, it's the one thing you never have to wonder, guess, have to be curious about with a guy like LeBron James. And when he's the leader yeah. of a team that wants to follow suit and now you pair him with a superstar as you have like Anthony Davis, who wants to learn, who's hungry, who's in his prime and just dominant at his size. Um, It's just, it's not surprising. It's just impressive to me, DA. And, and, you know, I just, the only thing I question now is how much longer does he have? Because honestly, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. When it matters most, you cannot tell me that LeBron James looks like he's slowing down right now. He has been, I, I'm going I'm to cop to it, Allie. I, I, was, I didn't think LeBron was, look, I knew he wasn't going to be as bad as he was last year. I thought most of that was he just was indifferent. He knew the team wasn't yeah, good enough. The and, effort you know, was just kind of had checked out, right? Mm-hmm. I knew he would be better. I did not know he still had MVP level play in him. You know, that's what I would say. I would say I thought he was going to age gracefully, <laughs> you know, and still be a very, very, very good player. But did I think you could make a legit MVP argument for him at 35? No, I did not. And he's been amazing this year. I'll share something with you guys that I think he'd be fine if I shared it, actually. Um, On our flight back from Golden State after 2017, so the year after the finals, they got beat in five. And we were on our flight back, and and I had a chance to talk with him on that flight. And, And I asked him at that time. He still had another year in Cleveland. But I asked him at that time, just curious, having a casual conversation, um, if he felt like he still had it in him to get to the top. Because let's be honest, when it comes to superstars like that, whoever you are, you don't compete and you don't go out and put the energy in on on and off the floor if you don't believe that you can get to the top, right, to win a yeah, title. Yeah, and and yeah. I asked him if he felt like, one, he could do that still after that, that championship run in Cleveland when he won his third. And he said, yes. And I asked how many years at this level. And at that time, it was three to five. Right. I mean, we're in year three at this level. We're not talking about the years in which he transforms his game just to stay on the court, to really develop into that leader and have that superstar alongside him that he continues to play through, which I think we've seen a lot with AD anyways this year. Um, And and so to know that that's his mindset and that's how driven he is and what he's going to continue to do day in and day out um, to be that that guy. Um, it, it's hard to to doubt him. It's hard to doubt him right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, <clears throat> as somebody who's been a close Brown observer, basically from the start, um, I re- I remember 2018 playoffs. He was the best player in the playoffs. He <laughs> now, mind you, he didn't play that season that way. <laughs> but in yeah. the playoffs, he was the best player in the NBA playoffs in 2018. And, of course, you know, they ended up getting swept by Golden State. But we all remember the crazy 50-point game and Jr. forgetting that they were winning in the time. Right, 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 right. We all remember that. But, like, that that's who he was that postseason. So, you know, when I watched him not be good the whole 
following season with the balls and the 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 you know the Brandon Ingrams and all and that cast of characters, I was like, well, he just you know the effort's not there. This is not a serious team. They're gonna trade these guys for Anthony Davis. It's so I sort of understood it. So I knew he would come into the postseason. Maybe he wouldn't be as good as 2018 quite, but he would like a, a drop off from that is still damn good, right? And yeah. I think we've yeah. we've seen that in the playoffs. Right. And the one thing I'll only say about his first year in L.A., and that's just because I even got hyped um, with the team as well at this point, was I think his injury played a lot into the way in which that season turned. Because if we're if we're being real and calling a spade a spade, they were fourth in the West before that injury on Christmas Day Mm -hmm. trending Mm -hmm. up. Now, what that would have translated like, does that turn into a champ? I'm not saying that. But yeah. I think they the way the in which that one <laughs> exactly, and so from that standpoint, I just think the injury, which is something we had never seen before to that extent in his career, just kind of shifted so much about the first year in LA um, yeah. that again, when you approach an off season having only played 55 games and having the time off that he hadn't in years past, having gone to the finals eight straight seasons, it, it just gave you a different kind of to your point and an optimism. Can he get back to that level? And, and I just think now in this season he is there, if not even more, um, given all he's endured and the, the NBA entirely has endured to be in the position that they're in playing right now. And let me send it over right now to my boy, Taz Mellis, to tell you about liquid IV. Hey, let me tell you something. When I got out of school back in the bedrock Fred Flintstone age, I had some student loans too, but nothing like people have now. It's crazy. Is your student loan payment too high? Is water wet? Well, refinancing with Earnest can help you lower your monthly payment. Interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low-rate environment, most people can save by refinancing again. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. And now you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com slash hoops, once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash hoops. It's not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash hoops for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations, LLC. NMLS number 1204917, California Financing Law License Number 6054788, 302nd Street, Suite 1N, San Francisco, California 94107. Visit earnest.com licenses for a full list of licensed states. So DA talked early on in the podcast about the Lakers' incredible defense. Um, I credit that not just to their defensive talent, but their cohesion and togetherness as a group, which I find fascinating since this is a very new group. Like this is, this is the Mm -hmm. first time they're playing with each other. But I did talk, I talked to Danny Green. I got a chance to talk to him for like an hour before the season started. And you know, Danny Green, like he is the most (laughs) professional, the most professional person I've ever encountered in my life. So I'm trying to get him to say stuff. And of course he's not. And he's, he's telling me, and he's like, you know, our group is just really together. Like it's been a short time, but the team chemistry is there. Guys are gelling guys. I'm like, Danny, you're talking about Boogie Cousin, Rajon Rondo, LeBron. Like, this is a ridiculous, like, mix of dudes. Like, you're telling me that they're just gelling. It's just going great, huh? And he's like, no, I'm serious. We're, our togetherness is there just from the start. For, for whatever reason, this 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 group of people feel together. Um, this And, and you know, as the season progressed and they're having the best record in the West, and it was borne out to be true. And I actually saw him like months later and I was like, you were right about that. I thought you were full of shit, but you were right Mm -hmm. about that. Um, (laughs) Is that something that you see on a day-to-day basis though, Allie? It is. It it, it honestly is. And and I, I know it's probably easy for me to say yes, but I don't think we can deny it right now. Um, You don't go into one, to your point, the season and turn out to be what they have on that end of the floor. Uh, which has been a huge reason of their success. When you have nine new faces 
and an entirely new coaching staff and turn this into what they have in their first season. If you don't enjoy respect like one another off the floor, there have been times, there have been moments when this season, when this team could have cracked. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. throughout the midst of a game because then you bring it full circle to the hiatus, the amount of time off the way in which people did not like how they're performing in those eight seeding games. Now, granted they had obviously clinched and there were some other factors that the, the Lakers chose in terms of playing other personnel and trying to balance that. But you think about losing to the hottest team at the time outside of Phoenix in Portland in game one, rattling off four straight and getting it done primarily because of the defense on one of the greatest scores in the game in Damian Lillard. And then you fast forward, you do the same thing against the Houston Rockets, shutting down three MVPs, two for Harden, one for Russ, right? Yeah. In the way in which they did. But it's within the game that I'm seeing right now, this team come together even more so. They were up by 16, 21 at one point in game three. The Rockets come back with a 41-22 third quarter, take the lead. The Lakers find a way to get it done. Fast forward, same thing in game five. You know, they there were times in which they had to weather a storm. There were shifts in terms of adjustments and personnel. You have Markeith Morris, who, by the way, played one or two games before the hiatus with the squad, now in the starting lineup, yeah. helping to dictate outcomes. You know, yes. Rajon Rondo, who left the bubble after practice number two because of his third-hand injury since being in a Laker uniform and being playoff Rondo. I mean, there's just, I think, the want, the desire to fight for one another and to fight together for that one common goal. Um, and I just, I arguably do not think that you do that if you don't have a genuine like and care for one another as people. Um, and, and it speaks to the volume in which this team hangs out, to the, t- the way in which this team bonds. The one thing I've learned with LeBron James before COVID and the hiatus, um, he goes for team dinners and he goes for long team dinners on the mm-hmm. road. I mean, four to five hours the night before a game. It is a four or five course meal kind of night. You bond, you listen to music, you play games, you watch games, um, that kind of environment um, for which he sets forth. And and, um, it's something that I think is pivotal in in some of the outcomes that we've seen so far and will ultimately be a big reason as to uh, the way in which the Lakers finish this year. I I, I wanted to ask you uh, uh, something about LeBron because I've – been around him a long time as you have as well and and seen him in different places. I must tell you after the Jacob Blake shooting, I, we did, he did a post game zoom and I've never seen him like that. Allie, I've never seen him. He just seemed completely, I, I don't even know what the word is defeated. I've never seen him like that. And it was soon after that, that, the players got together and it, there was the, you know, the boycott the, that the Bucks led. And basically, at least the first night, LeBron saying, you know what? We can, I don't give a shit. We can go. If, we, if y'all want to go, we can go. Um, and I just wonder, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him or anybody in his circle about that. He just looked like a man in despair. And that is not what I've ever seen from LeBron James throughout 17 years of covering him. What was going on outside after the Blake shooting and after the riots in Kenosha, I, he just looked like he was in despair. I've never seen him like that. You know, I, and I'm not speaking from him or any of his team when I say this, uh, just to your point of experience of being around him and, and kind of what you pick up on. Um, and I, I feel like that's yeah, such a fair assessment. Um, and why I believe that as well is because I think when it's all said and done, and I think we can all agree on this, there's going to be more that you remember about LeBron James than just basketball. And I think to him admitting that on the daily, though his ultimate goal is to win a title and to be a part of that success with this team, he's wanted to leave the bubble. And if you leave the bubble, you don't have a chance to win a title because what's going on in the world is so much more important. And I think they feel Obviously, as we've all learned and kind of witnessed watching this bubble environment unfold, though it's successful because of the rules and regulations and the protocols and the isolation, um, it's still very limiting to what matters a lot to these these athletes because they're people. 
that's something that I have taken very serious in terms of just observing, you know, and you mention it and you speak about it with LeBron just because oftentimes those are the voices we hear, we trust, we turn to, we believe in. But I think even for myself, you know, hearing and watching the actions of the young guys within this league, whether it's Jalen Brown, whether it's Jamal Murray, um, that's the one aspect of this league that makes you proud to be a part of it and to cover it because they're so collected. Um, they, they do it as one. Um, and, and I think that's why a lot too, um, seeing that kind of defeat or feeling that kind of energy from LeBron, because, you know, leading into that hiatus and the boycott that day, the league didn't feel like they were collective, you know, mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. an extent. And they have admitted that. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's another, thing for us all to open our eyes and remember of what these athletes are doing in one sense it's so fun because we are being entertained and it's sports again um but there's so much more on their hearts and on their chests that they carry and that that responsibility and um i think large in part it's it's what's on the heart of lebron i wanted to take it back to the team really quickly because i think somebody who's kind of been unsung in all of this throughout the year has been vogel um oh, and please and, yeah. let's talk about Frank. You Frank know, the be, Tank is the man. Because <laughs> obviously he had success in Indiana, but let's face it, you know, he's he's in the middle of the country. It's not a glitzy franchise. He's not gonna get as much attention for what he was doing over there than he would have in, you know, many of the other different locations in the NBA. Like, for instance, like let's just say he had that level of sustained success for the New York Knicks. <laughs> he would be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame already. Nah. <laughs> like it's just a fact. It just is what it is. And we know Orlando didn't turn out the way he might have liked it too. But I thought throughout the season, the defense, the way he handled rotations, the way he managed everything was masterful. But I will say in the game two, the third quarter, I was getting texts from Laker fans like, what's he doing with the rotations? What's his defense? He's deploying against Harden, blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, we watched the Lakers make adjustments. That whole thing where they decided to start doubling um, um, Harden way later in the shot clock, completely flummoxed Houston. Um, he's been, you know, he finally took JaVale out the starting lineup. He's been making adjustments. He's He's been doing the thing, the coaching thing. So I would love to hear about, um, talk for here you talk about just what Vogel's done throughout the year because I I think he's been masterful you know I think um I agree with you Waz because I I think large in part I'll take you back to this moment when he was introduced to Laker Nation and I had a one-on-one with him right after And, and I sat there and it was so funny this was something that was wild to me uh being a part of a team where even in Cleveland it was LeBron Kyrie and Kevin Love and then you come out here and it's Los Angeles and it's LeBron and it's always a circus that's following, you know, superstars like that. But during that press conference, I don't know if you guys remember seeing this on television, but I'm off to the side with, with Vogel getting ready to do this one-on-one interview. And in the back, LeBron was there to support Vogel. And the entire media rushed the floor over to him. <laughs> rush like ran like stampede like an animal like it was oh, the most media. wild thing <laughs> and i looked at vogel and he goes i can get used to this he goes that <laughs> means none of the attention is on me he's like that's the one beautiful thing that comes with lebron james of the many uh, but at the time he had just obviously got introduced to to los angeles he said none yeah. of the attention's on me and that's what is so admirable about Vogel is he doesn't want the attention. He's all about the team. It's not about himself. Um, And since day one, this squad, including its two superstars has bought into his vision, which has started on the defensive end of the floor. And, and, you know, it's funny that you're getting these text messages throughout, throughout games, because I think that will always come, especially with expectations and that Mm -hmm. of the Laker organization. Um, But he's made so many in-game adjustments throughout the regular season, whether you go back to, um, Anthony Davis starting the third quarter at the five versus Utah back in the right. early part of the season, pulling Gobert away from the rim. You talk about the early adjustments in the third quarter again at that same position against Miami at home in Los Angeles. Um, you see, then you fast forward to the postseason where at the start of the Rocket series, at the start of those games, let's let's remind ourselves it wasn't the start that was the problem for the Lakers. It was typically that second or third quarter. So mm-hmm. to automatically pull a guy like JaVale McGee from the starting lineup who hadn't hindered the game at all in those first four to six minutes. It, why rush to that? Right. 
But then you realize as a series goes on, that was the move to make. He made the proper adjustments. And of course, they finish it out, close it out in five, win four straight. So I just think there, there's an attitude, there's a mindset um, that has started since day one with Frank that has just really trickled down um, in terms of the team buying into who he is and what he's all about. Um, and it's really set the tone uh, for the way in which this Laker team wants to be in play. All right. Let me let me get you out on this. Um, We're done? You no, really? well, you know, they like us to keep it to an hour. <laughs> yeah, man, I've just enjoyed you guys. <laughs> you, you were a, she, she's, she downplays it was, she's the 10th leading all time field goal percentage later at university of Toledo. I'm just telling oh, you. Oh, am she's, I? Oh, she was getting yeah, buckets. Okay. She's get, she, she was, no, she shot it at a high percentage, 48% career. Mm. Oh. I looked it up. Yeah. Good job, so, Ali. <laughs> so I also missed 28 games over four years to injury. So I struggled okay, well, with that. But means you, right. you, you sucked it up and played hurt. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> when you could go, you, you went. Um, yep. How do you think being an athlete impacts or, or gives you perspective on covering athletes? Um, You know, it's the one thing that I credit my confidence and um, my – my feel, um, and my poise too, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, I understand moments, situations. Um, I think from the sideline position, there's oftentimes that you're in those heated moments at times with players, uh, whether it be a halftime walk-off interview or a post-game walk-off interview. Um, typically they came in winning moments. Um, if you're leading at the half or you're, you've won the game. Um, but so much could have happened you know, um, yeah. to close out a second quarter. I remember being in Philly and having J.R. Smith when the La- uh, Lakers, excuse me, the Cavs gave up, gave up like a 12-0 run to close out the, the half and he was heated. And so you have to understand and uh, be able to approach those questions in the right manner. Um, and the same in terms of, you know, walk-off post-game interviews and just understanding the moment. And I credit a lot to that. Um, a lot of that, excuse me, to being a former player myself and, and just realizing what that's all about. Um, I take a lot of pride in having a feel for the game um, and a feel for um, camaraderie, people, um, understanding who they are, not just as athletes, but as individuals. Um, so, you know, it's it's a great question, DA, but it is the truth. I, I give all the credit when it comes to my confidence and feel to, to having been a former athlete. Um, so it's put me in the position I am today. That's great. So, Ali, before you get out of here, I want to um, tell you a story about Richard Jefferson. Um, oh, dear. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good one, though. <laughs> not a bad one. So, back when I was like 21, 22 years old in New York, um, <laughs> I was a bit of what we call in New York a club rat. Meaning, every single week, I was <laughs> in the nightclubs. Every single week. <laughs> and we used to go to this club called Home. Um, in Chelsea, in New York City, it was one of those foofy, velvet rope, pretentious <laughs> type of spots. It just was. And, that screams Richard Jefferson. And no, but listen, but listen. And so you would get all of these musician types, actresses, athletes. Like every time NBA teams were in town, I can distinctly remember us having a table next to the Houston Rockets. We were directly next to Matumbo. I remember oh. he had like a, a nice three-piece suit on. He dapped us up. He was the nicest guy. Bonzi, Rafer, T-Mac. The whole crew of that era of the Rockets was there. That was just one night. Whatever. That's the type of spot this was. And I can remember being there one night. Um, and Richard Jefferson, this is back when he was on the Nets. Richard Jefferson was there with Devin Harris. He didn't oh, have yeah. a table. He wasn't, he was dressed up in t-shirt, jeans, just sneakers, just looking regular. He was playing the bar, (laughs) just talking to patrons, talking to the bartender, the waitresses, just chilling. Like there was no, and again, this is like one of those pretentious, like foofy spots. (laughs) And Richard Jefferson was just in there chilling. And I could just remember looking at him and thinking, that is so freaking cool. Like the fact that he just walks into this place and he's not, he's not worried about what all these people are worried about. He's just chilling. He's just doing his thing, having a good time. I'll always remember that about Richard Jefferson. He wasn't, um, he didn't get sucked into the foofiness of New York City nightlife. It was great. Oh my God. I will totally share that story because he will appreciate that um, <laughs> with him that you just obviously shared here. Um, but it's funny that you say it because I think that's why um, he fit in well, so well with Cleveland, Ohio, because he's just so 
he's just so down to earth, chill, loves the conversation, loves people. Um, I mean, he owns a yoga studio here in Hermosa. Um, it's, it's one of his things that he's done since retiring. And Mm. I just, that's again, like, that's why I love doing road tripping. That's why I love doing podcasts and doing it with the guys that I do it with, because there's just such an element of wanting to be wanting to be humanized. Um, that is so greatly appreciated, you know, and and to see it come from a former athlete or an athlete of his stature as well. Um, that can just be real and down to earth. I love that story. I, I just think those are, those are awesome stories. Well, I love you, Allie Clifton. You are fantastic. Oh, You're feeling great. is mutual. And, and, and I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you on the road. I miss seeing you in Cleveland. Actually, one of the things I enjoyed about going to Cleveland was there was a couple of restaurants mm-hmm. and a couple of people and you were one of the people. So that's, that's, I hope Cleveland gets good again sometime. Um, but uh, miss your face. Please stay safe out there, my friend, and and the best to everyone out there, and uh, good luck in the next round. I hope it's the Clippers. We're taping this on Tuesday, because I want to see that. That's what I want to see. Clippers, Lakers, I think everybody wants to see that. They want to see the Jets and the Sharks under the highway <laughs> rumbling. That's what we Agreed. want. <laughs> Agreed. No, Dia, you're, you're amazing. When you texted me to come on, um, I was so excited. Uh, so thank you for having me, Waz. You're wonderful. Uh, thank this you. Has been fun. Thank you for really coming am. on. I'm bummed that it's over. So yeah, no. Well, we can do this anytime. Also, man, go Lakers because I picked them to win the championship in the preseason, (laughs) and I want to look like a genius. Yes, unlike Richard Jefferson. You know, I had to zig when everybody was zagging. Everybody was zagging, so I had to zig. Well, RJ picked the Clippers. Oh yeah, RJ picked Clippers. Okay, I picked the Clippers too. So disrespectful. That's what I said. Traitor. I picked the, the Cavs, but here we are. There you go. I picked the Cavs back in preseason, but here we are. Allie, be good, my love. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. She's my one of my favorites, Was Just just down to earth, cool, chill, great dinner guest, companion, you know, just to, just really cool to be around um, and uh, enjoy her company immensely. And I'm um, glad she's doing her deal out in L.A. Um, just like you are. So it's good. Yeah, it's man. Good. Move to LA, DA. Your dreams might come true. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Y'all get, y'all get, now, I know it's been hot out there, but y'all get seduced by the weather. You think everything's cool. Everybody's nice. It's 72 every day. Let's go outside, play some volleyball. You can't, walk do, to you the can't beach. do the sunny disposition shit. No, no, that, that, no, no, that's the true it. Northeasterner in you, bro. <laughs> I need some, I, I told somebody, I need concrete and sirens in my life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, man, good talking to you. As, as always, Waz is, is another good show, man. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. You know, drop us that five star review uh, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, all the places you hear the Hoops Adjacent edition of the Athletic NBA show. And we'll be back next week. See you.